Simeon Ash, whom we want to consider tonight, died in 1662, just a few days before the Act of Uniformity. That was the act that led to the expulsion of thousands of Puritans from their pulpits. We're not certain of his age when he died, because the year of his birth is unknown. He was educated at the famous Centre for Puritan Learning, Emmanuel College, Cambridge. His ministry commenced in Staffordshire, but he was soon removed from his congregation there for refusing to read the King's Book of Sports. This book of sports was first published by King James in 1618, and it set forth this declaration that for his good people's lawful recreation, his majesty's pleasure was that after the end of divine service, they should not be disturbed or discouraged from any lawful recreations. And that declaration had to be made in congregations. In 1633, Charles I not only directed the republication of his father's declaration, but insisted upon the reading of it by the clergy. Some were able to get around it to satisfy their consciences by various means. Some had someone else read it. Others read it and then followed the reading of it with the reading of God's commandment concerning the Sabbath day, saying something along these lines. The former is the declared order of the chief magistrate of this realm, whom his subjects are in duty bound to love and obey. But the latter is the command, the imperative command of him by whom kings reign. And seeing the two orders are diametrically opposed, the one to the other, whether it be right in this case to obey God or man, judge ye. But a great many Puritan ministers refuse to countenance the reading of the the declaration in the church under any circumstances. And of course these were punished by their being deprived of their income. And among this number was the godly Simeon Ash. He refused to be the friend of the world in its opposition to the Sabbath day. He said, it is dangerous to be the world's favorite. He stood with God and with God's commandments And he refused to read the declaration. He was deprived of his living, but not of his peace and joy. He said, faith sucks the honey of contentment out of the hive of the promises. And that's what he did at that time, though he lost his income. He was comforted by the divine promises. Later he came under the notice of a number of different nobles who recognized his godliness and talents and who protected him as their chaplain. And thus he could minister in congregations that they were influential in. First under the protection of Sir John Burgoyne in Roxhall and then under the protection of the Lord Brooke. Upon the commencement of the Civil War, He became chaplain in the army to the Earl of Manchester and he served faithfully along with a number of other men who would later become divines of the Westminster Assembly. 
He was present at a number of battles during the Civil War. He describes Marston Moor. How goodly a sight was this to behold, when two mighty armies, each of which consisted of above 20,000 horse and foot, did with flying colours, prepared for the battle, look each other in the face. Afterwards, he became minister at Michael Basingshaw in London and later at St. Austin's in the city. And there he ministered until his death. He was nominated to the Westminster Assembly after the death in 1643 of Josiah Shute. And he is said to have been a frequent attender at the debates. Although a chaplain on the parliamentary side, he was never a strong Cromwellian and he supported the restoration of Charles II. His friend and fellow divine, Edmund Colomy, wrote concerning him after his death, I can freely and clearly profess, and that with a sorrowful heart, that I and many others have lost a real wise and godly friend, brother, and fellow laborer in the Lord. The church has lost an eminent minister and a choice pillar, and this city has lost an ancient, faithful, and painful minister. He went on to describe Ash as a man of great sincerity, humility, benevolence, prudence, and patience, as eminently diligent in preaching the glorious gospel of the grace of God in season and out of season, so as not to please the ear, but to wound the heart, seeking not the applause of men, but the salvation of souls as singularly careful in visiting the sick, as excelling in prayer, and in maintaining great acquaintance and communion with God. His death was conformable to his life. He was rich in faith, and in other fruits of the Holy Spirit, and an eminent follower of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He died very comfortably in the cheerful exercise of faith, and abounding in the consolations of the gospel of Christ, molested neither with doubts nor fears. And he was peculiarly attentive to the spiritual improvement of those who were about him. He warmly recommended Jesus Christ to them. Concerning his last sickness, Colomay said, When I was with him, he took occasion to complain much and not without just cause, that ministers, when they met together, discoursed not more of Christ, of heaven, and of the concernments of the other world, professing that if God should restore him, he would be more careful in his discourses, and more fruitful than ever he had been. He exhorted me and other ministers to preach much of Jesus Christ, and to speak of Christ to him, saying, When I consider my best duties, I sink, I die, I despair. But when I think of Christ, I have enough. He is all and in all. He had much comfort on his deathbed. He said it is one thing to preach or speak about Christ in heaven and quite another thing to feel the consolations of Christ and of heaven 
as I now do. At another time, he said, the comforts of a holy life are real and soul-supporting. I feel their reality. And you may learn by my case that it is not in vain to serve our God. Many others visited him on his deathbed. And Calamie says, his lively and edifying conversation with those who visited him in his sickness was useful and very encouraging. And he closed the life of labour and activity in the cause of God and his church with a pious, edifying and comfortable death. The Scottish commissioner to the assembly, Samuel Rutherford, admired us and referred to him as the gracious and pious Mr. Ash. Some, some of his quotations from his sermons, Without me, saith Christ, you can do nothing. Neither without him can we endure anything. And he only can support the sinking soul under the most smarting troubles and heavy oppressions. We may safely sail through Christ's blood into the bosom of the Father. A sanctified heart is better than a silver tongue. Truth, not words, feeds the soul. And I much rather desire in my ministry to profit than to please my hearers. Concerning former failings, he said, Former feelings bewailed shall not interrupt the course of future kindness. A small collection of items from his pen remain. These include some of the sermons that he preached before Parliament, including one entitled The Best Refuge for the Most Oppressed, a sermon preached before the House of Commons in March 1642, God's goodness to Israel unfolded and applied. I preached before the commons in April 1647 on their fast day. Other sermons include Good Courage Discovered and Encouraged. A sermon preached before the army commanders in London in May 1642. The Church Sinking, Saved by Christ. A sermon preached before the House of Lords in February 1644 uh, on their fast day. Religious covenanting directed and covenant keeping persuaded. A sermon preached before the Lord Mayor, Sheriffs and Aldermen and the rest of the Common Council of London in January 1645. As well as these and other sermons, he was a much respected Puritan minister and preached the funeral sermons of several famous Puritans. He also wrote several prefaces for the works of others, and he published a famous work on the Covenant of Grace, which had been written by the famous John Ball, who had entrusted the manuscript to Ash. He passed away in August 1662, a short time before the fatal Bartholomew Day when the Puritans were ejected from their churches. Near his end, he said, I desire to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I account all things dung and dross 
that I may be found in Christ.